Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Wild Billy's Circus Story. Hey everybody, you're listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, a podcast where we talk about every Bruce Springsteen song alphabetically one by one. My name's Rob Carmack. That, that, that there, that guy over there. The guy that on the other there, mic. That there, Rathscallion over there. That's J.B. Clark, joining the circus. J.B. on the tuba. On the, J.B. Clark. On the tuba. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, something I have learned so far is that I cannot say the title of this song without sounding like I'm from Texas. Yeah. Wild, Wild Billy's Circus Story. Wow. Wild Billy. Wild Billy. Wild Billy was a crazy cat. All right, right. so... Um, anyway, so the song we're talking about today, Wild Billy's Circus Story, is from the 1973 album, The Wild, The Innocent. Oh, that's why it's called The Wild, The Innocent. I see. The Wild, The Innocent, and The okay. E Street Shuffle. The e Street Shuffle. This is our final song from that album. I know. It's a sad day that we're going to be done. Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we're kind of shedding a lot of these albums as we go. We've, we've finished Tunnel of Love. we finished The Ties That Bind. We're finishing this album today. Very soon, we're going to finish Human Touch. Like we're, I mean, we're really kind of like headed to the end of this thing for yeah, the most part. I, I'm kind of embarrassed that it took us what three, four years to get through seven songs. Hey, man, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's the alphabet's fault. It's if Bruce wanted us to get get through this thing fast, he should have named this Andy and Wild Billy Circus Story. That's right. I, I will say I'm I'm very appreciative that this short record that was. You know, at the beginning, started at the beginning and ended at the end for us. Um, I'm, sure I'm pumped about that. Week week one of this podcast, we did Fourth of July Asbury Park. So we've been this, this album's been in the in the conversation the whole time. It's a it's a uh, if I can rap philosophic about it. Is that what's the phrase? Wax philosophic. Wax philosophic. I'm gonna rap uh, if I can. <laughs> you can't. This is a really really beautiful record that means just the world to me if nothing else i am so thankful that you rob and that you all of the listeners have let me talk at length about these seven songs and not just let me but at least been a little bit enthusiastic about it when rob one day was like why why did you do this i was like well who else is gonna listen to me talk so specifically about songs in such a specific uh format uh, for this long, this is this is a this. I didn't mean to get like sentimental or whatever. Like this really is sort of a dream come true. Like to to really get to be a part of a large group of people discussing such a specific set of songs and specifically these seven songs. You know, we're not done. Like well, there are other episodes that we're going to record. I know, but this. we're we're done with this album. And Except this album means we're going to go back. We're gonna we're gonna talk each album in full after the whole thing is done. Yeah, but we're done with like this format portion of it or we will be in like 20 to 80 minutes <laughs> i was gonna say there's really no telling how long this is gonna take considering <laughs> considering that you just now told me that you haven't been taking your medication that's true i'm off it so off. Uh, anyway well thank you for the thank you for the sentimentality we're, we're i think we're all enjoying the, the journey together so yeah it's, uh, been, it's been sweet it's th- been really sweet this song Wild Billy's Circus Story was recorded for Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey, which is the album that preceded this one. It came out earlier in the same year, 1973, and was Bruce's. So this was originally recorded for Bruce's debut album. But that version of the song has never surfaced. 
and it was re-recorded for the Wild, the Innocent, the Eastry Shuffle under the new title, which was the one we have. The original title for the song was Circus Song. Yes. So they they recorded that, but again, there's no one, as far as I know, has seen hide nor hair of of that particular recording. I saw somewhere today where I saw some like lyric differences, but they they weren't that much. So someone someone has heard it. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure I assume. I mean, I was gonna say I assume they played it live, but I would imagine this is a hard one because you can't just like. If you're a traveling band that needs to travel light in uh, in 1973 New Jersey, you're probably not just hauling a tuba around with you everywhere. So you really probably have to plan to either play the song or not play the song. Anyway, so I'm actually kind of surprised that the song was cut from the first album because it's good. And it's actually way better than Mary Queen of Arkansas, in my opinion, which is probably where it would have ended up in that slot, you know? Because it's, yeah. in my humble opinion, <laughs> taking out Mary Queen of Arkansas and putting the song in instead would have elevated that album we'll talk about that more as we get along so uh the song was last played live on february 26th 2014 in brisbane australia on the high hopes tour and he played it there because he was playing the full wild the innocent the street shuffle album from start to finish and i actually have the recording from that show i bought it specifically because i wanted the full album play of that out of of that live with the street band um and it's awesome it's it's really really worth it but that said this song has never really been in heavy rotation like it's there's a reason if you go looking through the old set list there's a reason you only hear the song when he's playing the full album probably not least of all that like nobody just wants to make sure there's a tuba somewhere somewhere in in the equipment every single night that has to be part of the the calculus i would imagine so those are the overall basic facts of the song uh you want to talk music i'll say this i think honestly I, I get the tuba. I get it. Oh, yeah. I mean, the tuba's good. The tuba, I think the tuba is a crucial part of what makes the song what it is. Well, but besides serving as a sort of weird audio expository device, I don't think it's... I think the song stands really well without the tuba. Or could. I don't have a version of it. But I was going to say, I've never song, heard a version of it without a tuba. I think the song could be just as good if just, like, Gary played those parts on the bass <laughs> i am sure somewhere out there there are acoustic recordings of him just doing this with just him and a, and a guitar i th- there have to be yeah well or an upright bass i think would be j- just as sort of of that theme not it wouldn't be quite us on the nose but you know like an upright bass kind of has that rattle to it to do that walk that weird like brum, 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 brum. i think an upright bass could do that um so the tuba the tuba to me is endearing as a fan, mm-hmm. but it is um, not necessary to me as a music as a musician. Does now, that make sense? Yeah, it, it should be said. Gary Talent is playing the tuba. Bass, e Street Band bass player uh, Gary Talent plays the tuba here because he learned how to play the tuba in high school. So, right. well, if anyone was wondering if Gary players, Talent was all bass players play the tuba. If, if Just, the question, if the question on everybody's mind is, was Gary Talent cool in high school? The answer can now definitively be, be stated. No, he was not. Absolutely, he was. He was, he was the coolest. He was playing the tuba. Dude, tuba was second to drumline in the band. Tuba right. players didn't care about anything. They were like, whatever. Bro. Tuba players don't care. Tuba players don't give a. <laughs> so anyway, and, Gar- Gary Talent plays the tuba, and Danny Danny Federici here is, uh, of course, playing the accordion. Who's on the mandolin? I don't know. That's a good question. Mandolin shines. The mandolin shines. I kind of. I have to assume that's Bruce. Let's take a quick Google. 
Oh, also, um, according to Bruce's former manager, Mike Appel, Vinny Lopez, who was the drummer for the E Street Band at the time, ha- was having a lot of trouble doing the press roll that's called for in the song. And so they brought in a ringer. They brought in an uncredited session drummer to do that part. So when you're listening to it and you hear the press roll, that's not, according to Mike Appel, that is not Vinny Lopez playing. That's a that's some uncredited session drummer who we may never know the true huh. identity of. Yeah, yeah. Bruce is playing the mandolin, harmonica, and the guitar. That sounds right. And, and I Bruce, think mandolin is, is special on it, this song. It's very, well, and Bruce wanted the song to sound like a circus. Like he, it's not just like musically he wants it to have a certain kind of melody or a certain kind of feel. He, he generally is trying, he's trying to make the song feel as much like you're, you're at the circus as he can. And the tuba and the mandolin and the accordion are all crucial parts, which is probably why there are no alternate recordings of that that I can, that I could find at least. Um, yeah. because like with, without the circus sounds, it's not really the same song as far as and Bruce I, is concerned. I can't tell if the mandolins in stereo, if there's two tracks on different sides of the headphones. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's well done in the way it's, it's put together. I really love the slow strumming, like the, the sweeps that he doesn't think he's a guitar. They're not like sweeps, sweeps, but just the way he sort of like picks out his chord, um, in a slow sweeping strum uh like around the three minute mark he does it a few times yeah everything here is very intentional yeah it's really cool it just kind of spins the song up you know like uh it feels like you're you're kind of floating on a raft and then you hit a whirlpool for a second it's really nice well since this is a wildly innocent song uh we need to allot extra time for lyrics yeah let's get into it so uh yeah let's do it here so uh these are the lyrics it starts with a with a full countdown or a count up it says a one two three four and then um, you get the full musical stuff going on. And then it says the machinist climbs his Ferris wheel like a brave and the fire in when it says like a brave, I, I assume that's evocative of uh native American, imagery. like a native American warrior. Yeah. And the fire eaters lying in a pool of sweat, victim of the heat wave behind the tent, the hired hand tightens his legs on the sword swallower's blade and circus towns on the short wave. Yeah. So you're, it, it's, he's painting a picture of, of people, getting ready to open the circus. And then you got, well, the runway lies ahead like a great false dawn. Whoa, fat lady, big mama, Missy Bimbo, sits in her chair and yawns. And the man beast lies in his cage, sniffing popcorn. Yeah, the midget licks his fingers and suffers Missy Bimbo scorn. The circus town's been born. So again, it's all the it's all the backstage like machinations going on before the crowd shows up, which is always, um, Br- Bruce often talks about how like the thing that makes him so, like, he's he's deeply fascinated by the circus and he always was as a kid, but the thing he's even more fascinated with is the backstage lives of the circus performers. And so he's sort of creating that the, that imagery of like, yeah. yeah, but what what happens right before everybody shows up? What, what are all these performers doing before the whole thing gets going? Does this feel like a Tom Waits song to you so far? Yes, absolutely. A, a lot of like, if you're just reading lyrics uh, from from this this second album, it, there's a lot of Tom Waits in there. But also, like, I mean, really, the tuba and the mixing, like, yeah, musically, this is kind of a Tom Waits song. It, it, it very much feels a lot like. Uh, in fact, now thinking about Rain Dogs, uh, the Tom Waits album, which came out in 1985, it's twelve years after this, I do wonder if like Tom Waits had had spent some time with this album, thinking about, or specifically even the song, like. Oh, like I could just I could just take this and I could just carry it a little further. And so, like you listen to like yeah. Singapore, the opening track of that album, and you think like, oh yeah, yeah, Tom Waits is pulling some stuff. You know, there's a song on the record, Alice, that to me this is 
It's very similar to, or I guess that song is very similar to this. Interesting. Yeah, these early, this early stuff with like the the specific kinds of mixing and the extra instruments and the uh, in the lyrical sort of journey he goes on. Like, yeah, there's there's definitely some similarities to to Tom Waits material. Yeah. So, all right, then you got the next verse, which is "Whoa" and a press roll drummer, which is where uh, Vinny's like. <laughs> Uh, tag. <laughs> so uh, so it says, whoa, and a press roll, drummer go, ballerina to and fro, cartwheeling up on that tightrope with a cannon blast, lightning, lightning flash, moving fast through the tent, Mars bent, he's going to miss his fall. This really reminds me, by the way, of uh, Bishop Danced, which is one of my favorite outtakes from this, these sessions. Because it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 this makes a little bit of sense, though. It does make sense. I mean, he's definitely painting a picture, but like that same sort of lyrical, just sort of like tiptoeing through the dictionary <laughs> that, that yeah. he does. So uh, anyway, it says, "Oh God, save the human cannonball and flying and the flying zambinis watch Margarita do her neck twist, and the ringmaster gets the crowd to count along: ninety-five, ninety-six, ninety-seven. A ragged suitcase in his hand, he steals silently away from the circus grounds, and the highways haunted by the carnival sounds." They dance like a great grease paint ghost on the wind. A man in baggy pants, a lonely face, a crazy grin, running home to some small Ohio town. Jesus, send some good women to save all your clowns. I don't even I know want, where to begin. I want a t-shirt with that on it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, so again, it's it's just kind of Would y'all wear that t-shirt? Let me know. I'll make them. <laughs> Legally, I'll can we do that? 100. <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> if we're not if we're not selling a ton, yeah, absolutely. All right, I don't want to be named in that lawsuit. But... All right, well, if we're just giving them away to people who are patrons or whatever, then fine. Sure, that's good. It's um, a loophole. Speaking of patrons, this is actually uh, Bruce's. We stole our idea to give people patron nicknames from this song. Bruce is actually naming all the people that were his patrons on Patreon.com. <laughs> When he recorded this record, he just did it in one song instead of doing it individually. So that, that's what's going on here. That may not be a basic fact uh, for several reasons, just so everybody But it also, it also could be. Before we start getting emails, <laughs> we know that JB's kidding. JB and I both know <laughs> that this is not true, but that is a funny premise to what we're talking about. Uh, not to be that guy, I'm just anticipating, like... <laughs> We post this. We post this thing on Thursday. when the song came out. This thing gets posted on Thursday morning by Thursday at one p.m. I've got a basic facts post. Like, uh, that is factually incorrect because there was no such thing as Patreon.com. I do love though that at least people use our own uh, language and they, they just say basic fact alert colon space space. That is yeah. People 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 use our our, our well, which is funny because like that I think we started using it because somebody put that in an iTunes review that we had missed a basic yeah, fact. We had missed a basic fact. And, I had the basic fact. Yeah, and and so we started saying like yeah we, we do it's that sometimes very basic we'll, fact. we'll do our best and then we we kind of co opted that as like yeah that's everything's a basic fact and now it's come back around like it's, it's like a Ferris wheel. To to use the parlance of the song here, that here's all the circus. Yeah, so now it's come back around, and we're we're getting hit. We're, we're getting dinged with basic fact alerts again. So, but the the format is always the same: basic fact alert colon yeah. everything return, old is new again. <laughs> yes, uh, Patreon.com. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah. So you've got this a lot of stuff going on. It's just it's just a crazy scene that goes on behind the scenes of of the the circus slash carnival. And um, a man in baggy pants, a lonely face, a crazy grin. So you got you got the the clown running home to a small Ohio town. 
Um, yeah, it's interesting. And then uh, the final verse is, and Circus Boy dances like a monkey on a barbed wire, and the Barker romances with a junkie. She's got a flat tire. And now the elephant dance, elephants dance real funky, which is where the tuba like really shows up, you know, because because he's trying to simulate the sound of what 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 might it sound like when a when an elephant dances real funky, and it's and 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 Bruce is having enough fun here to where he just tells Gary to like play this like funky little like riff, and they just like and bring, he does bring, and he and he does and he, they bring it way up in the mix to where you can't miss it, and it really does make you feel like it sounds like a, an elephant dancing real funky, and it says yeah. and the band play like a jungle fire. And then uh, Circus Town's on a live wire, and the strong man Samson lifts the midget, little tiny Tim, way up on his shoulders, way up, and carries him on down the midway, past the kids, past the sailors, to the dimly lit trailer. And the Ferris wheel turns and turns like it ain't ever going to stop, and the circus boss leans over, whispers in the little boy's ear, I guess we're, we're, we're to assume that Bruce is the little boy, whispers in the little boy's ear, hey son, you want to try the big top? All aboard. Nebraska's our next stop. So basically, the the song ends with Bruce, the, the the kid, aka young Bruce Springsteen, being invited to join the circus because Nebraska's their next stop, which is a little bit ominous considering that when Bruce finally does release an album called Nebraska, it's not exactly a place where the circus would want to go. There's a serial killer yeah. loose. So yeah, that's it's this whole it's this wild, just like sensory overload kind of experience, like and. Young, like I, I think we're we're supposed to assume that the entire song is seen through the eyes of young Bruce Springsteen as a child, and and that the the invitation to join the circus is, and I is is sort of this this invitation that he accepts, and now him being a traveling musician is his own version of joining the circus, which is sort of confirmed later on when very tragically Danny will pass away, and Bruce will write a song called uh, "The Last Carnival," which is basically. Like the the end of this particular character's journey and like through the life as a circus performer, as it were. Yeah. So yeah, man. It's again. It, there's a lot of sensory stuff going on. It's the song specifically was inspired by the Clyde Beatty Cole Brothers Circus that visited Bruce's hometown of Freehold, New Jersey, every summer when he was a kid. So he's not just creating this from nothing. Like he he very specifically remembers going to the circus and like wondering what are, what are the lives of these these people like you know when they're not on stage and what what would it be like to join the circus so um it's in a weird way it's a little bit autobiographical and yeah um and according to an interview that Bruce did with Elvis Costello in 2009 he was especially interested in the backstage lives of the circus performers and it's a thing that has sort of carried him his whole life and um yeah so the whole song is seen through the eyes of a young boy and and uh yeah that's 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 what this is. This is Bruce, and that's the whole song. Yeah, this is Bruce falling in love with the idea, the mystery, the the, the, the mysterious mystique of like the life of the performer. Yeah, just the behind the scenes, like what is what what what's the difference between what I'm seeing and what's happening? Yeah, and and it makes you wonder, like, would Bruce Springsteen have grown up to become Bruce Springsteen had he not fallen in love with the circus? You know, and that's an interesting sort of question yeah. and which is why this that that's what makes the song not just a novelty song and it makes it very special because it really is because it on the album at face value if you're listening to the album and you enter into it with um the east street shuffle and you go through like all the other songs on the album like um incident and rosalita all the way to the end with new york city serenade you think like what in the world is this song doing well this song this is the song that reminds bruce why he does 
the things that he does. Like w- without this song, which is really why maybe it would have been a better fit on Greetings from Raspberry Park because that's that's the album w- that really sort of explores Bruce's origin into in, into choosing this as as his path, you know. And um, whereas Mary Queen of Arkansas is weird and out of place on that album i think this song would have been exactly right on that album that's again my own personal opinion but uh that's that's what i think tell me why i'm wrong uh i don't think you're wrong even though you love mary queen of arkansas Uh, yeah i mean i mean i do but you're right (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know man (laughs) (laughs) cool well that's all right i mean you i mean yeah I got you. So, I mean, any, any thoughts on the lyrics, the music, the, the pairing of the two? Like, what um, wh- what are your responses here as we're looking at this? So, I love that both of them really paint, like, a very specific picture. Very right? specific. Yes, indeed. Of a, of a time, of a place, of a dialect, of a, of a sound, of a feel. Like, they all, all the elements work together. Like I was saying earlier, like, the tuba, I can take it or leave it, but it, it is sort of a almost exposition, you know? Hey, Absolutely before we is. start talking about a circus, let's play this tuba part so you know we're going to be talking about a circus. <laughs> Don't want to throw you off. Uh, well, and that's part of the genius of, of how Bruce writes his music, right? Because it's not, I mean, Bruce could have written a rock and roll song and just talked about the circus. But yeah, but it's not, it's not a circus song at that that's point. That's right. You know, like every song has to, like, the music is, the music and the lyrics have to pair together exactly correctly for it to be a Bruce Springsteen song. And that's why the song has to sound like a circus for it to to be what it is. You know, as much as I can take or leave the tuba, or as much as I love the accordion and the mandolin, I'm just taken away with the way he tells the story lyrically. It, and, and that's that's my thing with with Mary Queen of Arkansas too. You know. Yes, I, I and, and Mary Queen of Ar- the the lyrics of Mary Queen in Arkansas. Again, my opinion, the lyrics are way way better than the music is. Yeah, and here I feel like the two are are paired a lot more strongly together. Right, I think the lyrics are a little bit better just because like the tuba for some reason throws me off, sort of in a critical way, uh, and, and in a fan way, like I love it, you know, but in a critical way, it kind of makes me feel weird. It's I mean, especially if you're just listening. If you picked up this album at a record store and you just put it on, the tuba is very distracting. If you're yeah, if you're, you would be like, what? No, what? No. I didn't buy this. You yeah, know like, what? You would turn it off. You would like leave the room. You would immediately come back, put it back on, and be like, "I can't stop thinking about this." <laughs> well, and again, it, it's seven songs, so each song has to like carry a lot of weight for the a album to be what it is. And and I'll go ahead and say, like, this is my least favorite song from this album. But I that's not a I don't that's not a hit against the song so much. Yeah. yeah, so much as it is a a celebration of how good the rest of this album is. Well, you know what John Lennon said about this song. I mean, this record. John Lennon said something about this record? He said, oh, you got to carry that weight. <laughs> that was actually Paul McCartney who wrote that song. Whatever, man. <laughs> hey, man, basic facts. <laughs> Little Steven's not on the cover of Born to Run, and Paul McCartney wrote, you got to carry that weight. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. It's a music podcast, for God's sakes. It is, it is. You're right, you're right. All right. No, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm <laughs> at no point contended that I was right about either of these things. I immediately said, yes, you're correct. I was wrong. I don't even know what I was thinking. I apologize. <laughs> that's when you just, that's, that's, that's the reason, that is the opposite of the reason that there is like so much contention on the internet now. What I'm saying is, you are right. I am fully wrong. I will do better next time. <laughs> just let, yeah, just because Sarah Sanders <laughs> has resigned from the White House doesn't mean that truth has been fully restored to our, like, we have to do what we can to bring truth into the world. 
you know. Right, and what I'm saying is is something that Sarah Sanders has never said. I'm saying you were correct. I was fully and emphatically wrong. <laughs> and and just like whenever you've been wrong, you do the same thing. I'll say actually this, and you'll say, you know what? That you are so correct. You're absolutely right. And that is why this is the most truthful and greatest podcast on the internet. It's the is, also real quick. Just want to correct any any uh, anyone out there. I know that that is wrong. <laughs> no, that actually is true. <laughs> what you just said is true. This is th- this is the most factual podcast on the internet. It is probably a lot more factual than, than most podcasts. Yes, it's more factual than stuff you should know. We don't. <laughs> no, that's a pretty factual podcast. It's more factual than Song Exploder. Uh, it is know, more factual than because Song Exploder is fully subjective. <laughs> Here's what I was feeling when I wrote that: the Lindsey Buckingham episode of Song Exploder was awesome. <laughs> They're all awesome. It's a good podcast. They're all really, really good. I love anytime someone says like, "How do you think about music? How can I think about music differently?" Song Exploder. Here you go. Rich K. Sherway. And they're like, how do you spell that? And I'm like, I don't even know which ones are first names, middle names, and last names. My personal favorite episode of Song Exploder is when uh, R.E.M. talks about Try Not to Breathe. It's very good. It's a very good. I, actually, my favorite was the Spoon one. That's a good one, too. When the drummer went uh, to, what's it? What's the lead singer's name? Britt. Britt. The drummer went to Britt, and he was like, yeah, this piano part, except on the guitar, and... Uh, in the record 1991 or 2001 um, by uh, Dr. Dre. Mm. And whenever you've heard him say that and then go back and listen to it, you're like, holy cow. Ah, yeah. They stole that beat so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I love that. I love that podcast. Hey, you know how, you know, when we're done with an episode, we start talking about other people's podcasts. Absolutely. That. So uh, how many sorts? Well, just real quick. I think I think mine's gonna be better. You were gonna say sword swallowers. I was gonna say sword swallowers blades. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say how many ballerina to and fro cartwheeling up on the tightrope with cannon blast, lightning flash, moving fast through the tents. Do you give this three and a half? How about you? Yeah, man. I think I'm a three and a half. It's good. I mean, it again. It, it is. It is, in my opinion, the least strong song on this album, yeah. which. I, I I don't know I don't know if there's a lot of people out there that would disagree. I don't know anybody I've never met a person who's gonna be like, No, 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 Wild Billy Circus story, it's way better than New York City Serenade or Rosalita. You know what I mean? Like I don't know who's gonna make that argument. Half of me thinks that if this was not on this record, I would give it four. And half of me thinks that if this was not on this record, I would give it three. I think that's right. I, I think if this was an outtake I think if if you took this song and Bishop danced and switched them I think we would think a lot. I think we would have stronger opinions in favor of Bishop Dance and lower opinions in favor of this song. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I might be wrong because again, like I almost think the op. Well, if it's Bishop Dance, I think the opposite. I think if Bishop Dance on the record, I would think like, what was he thinking? And then I would think this song should this song should have been on. This is a four star song. Mm. But once I hear it in line, I don't know. Now that said, I think if this was on Greetings from Asbury Park, that I think it would elevate it. I, th- I think it would not because Greetings from Asbury Park is a is an inferior record, but because I think thematically, I think it's better on that album. And he maybe could have cut the tuba. Maybe except is the song what the song can the song be what it is without can the, the tuba? song be what it is with the tuba is the thing I've been arguing with myself is like I w- I would have as a producer cut the tuba and it would not have been like a legendary song because mm-hmm. that's what that's one thing that this song is 
this song is a three and a half star legendary song. <laughs> Absolutely. This is this is one of those songs that, that Springsteen makes fans, it yeah. Technically like a seven star song, right? It's it's like a song that is not anywhere near as good as the songs around it, but is somehow more memorable and more talked about than the songs around it often like sometimes. Well, and also, I mean, really think about the courage it took to maybe try and include this song because again, like this comes 8 months after it, it is released 8 months after Greetings from Raspberry Park, New Jersey, which did not sell very well. It was not a successful record when it first came out. And so this right, was... are looking for a hit, and th- Bruce is like, I, I, you know what? We're going to put Wild Billy's Circus story on there. I mean, yeah, he's looking for a hit, but he did every single thing you do when you're not trying to get a hit. When you put... Like, I'm saying he's not looking for a hit. His label is. Well, that, and that's the thing. is like, how in the world... Cause he had, because he had the, he's looking for a story that resonates with people. But I, no, I that's mean, why that's why this is a legendary three and a half star song is because Bruce he's not looking for a hit. He's looking for a a story that resonates. I think he's it looking just for happens to be one of the best songwriters of all time. I think he's looking for both. If if you go back and read his book or other books that are written about him, Bruce wants really badly to be a rock star. Like he he wants so badly to have hits on the radio, but also. Like that's the that is the conflict that is Bruce Springsteen, which is like he really wants to be successful and he really wants to be famous and have like well like beloved songs, but he also wants to stay true to the thing that he's trying to say. And when those two things come into conflict, I think he knows what's going to sell things and what's not going to sell things. And I think like his better angels tend to win out, and he tends to make the album what the album needs to be versus what he knows the album will sell. That's why he like kind of killed himself to make born to run because he was so terrified because the re- the record label was pretty much like this has to work or we're done. And so yeah, but at the end of the day, born to run tells the best story. You, can t- you know what I'm saying? Well, that, like, that's what I'm saying. He was in there editing a hit. He was editing a story and it just happened to be a hit. No, no, no. It, it's well, it didn't, it wasn't quite like that, but it was, but it definitely like, that's the thing is that's, that was this magic sort of situation where his vision had to be something that was marketable. And that's why like you, the stories you read from it, like, the, the number of different takes and versions and like the number of different times they tried different things just because Bruce continued to second guess himself and every decision he made was like, I want it to sound like this, but I'm worried that I'm wrong. You know, and that's why John Landau was such an important part of that, that process because he was able to sort of come in and, and hear what needed to be heard. Like really the ma- again, we've talked about John Landau being the fifth Beatle of the E Street Band, which is that, which is to say that he was, he was the guy who was able to find Bruce's vision and yeah. merge it with a market that was willing to to invest in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, all that to say, like, like Bruce knows, like he he needs to keep his record deal, but at the same time, he also really, really wants to tell Wild Billy Circus story. So you have, yeah. you know, you. So that's why this is on that album because, like, Bruce is again. I would argue his better angels went out because the world is a better place when we're not trying to sell things and we're trying to make things that are good. You know. Yes. So, yes. That's why I like Bruce Springsteen. Absolutely. Any final thoughts before we uh, pack up the circus and head for Nebraska? No, just thank you everybody for talking about the Wild, the Innocent, and the Street Shuffle with me for all these years. It's been special. And on behalf of everybody, you're welcome. Thanks, Rob. Absolutely. Well, everybody, uh, join us next time, and we're gonna we're gonna close the books on another album. We're gonna talk about With Every Wish, which I believe is gonna be the final time we talk about Human Touch in these um, rotations. It. All right. Well, everybody, uh, pour one out for human touch. And then, uh, yeah, join us next time when we talk about With Every Wish. With Every Wish.